Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. So I asked um, Stick to share with us tonight. His real name is David. If you call him David, that means you really don't know him that well. That's like if you call me Gary. If somebody calls us and I speak with Gary, I know that we're in trouble. A phone solicitor, you don't, yeah, you don't know me. Kind of like Brian, we call him Biggin. Um, anybody calls looking for Brian, they they don't know him as well as I do because if you know him well, unless you're his mother-in-law, you call him Biggin. Right? Yeah. But now I asked Dick to speak, and I'm not going to take up any of his time, but I was thinking about this earlier. I was thinking I've got to witness him go from um, being single to being engaged, from being engaged to being married, from being married to having a child, from having a child to having two two children. Two childs. Two childs. Um, I got to see him get saved, and I got a real close look at him when he got baptized because I was in that ice pit with him over there. <laughs> I forgot to turn the heater on. But uh, well, I've seen some things. I've seen some growth, and it's, 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 it blesses me. And uh, so um, the clock's working. You really can't see that clock from right here. That screen... I've always wondered when I'm sitting up there, how can, how can y'all not see that? But it's, uh, it's covered by that screen. We'll fix that. That way Red can see it someday. Yeah, I'll handle that. But um, yeah, Red asked me, first he asked me to talk at the men's group. And I think he was, uh, well, I thought he was joking at first because he texted me you know, like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. and said, hey, I forgot uh, you're speaking. And I was like, I forgot I even got what I said. I was like, a little while later, I just said, are you serious? He said, what if I am serious? I said, well, I guess I'll talk. And, uh, and he said, you'll be fine. And then if you heard the story after the nine hour, I just replied back, you idiot. <laughs> and if, that's, that's what you tell him now when he says you'll be fine. But uh, so I had made some notes then. And um, we, we kind of got down a rabbit hole that night and just started just a, a whole... Um, a good conversation. I didn't really get to, I didn't say any of this stuff, so I got some of it and then some more, and I'm just going to kind of go through um, my life, basically. I ain't going to go through the whole thing, but um, I know Red has always said it several times, it's never never been about dirt bikes. And that's, you know, dirt bikes is what brought me here, but it's, it was never about dirt bikes. Um, and this is, this is my first time really speaking in front of a, a group about this stuff, so y'all bear with me. But I started off, uh, I got saved when I was, uh, the, the first time, you know, we all get saved when we were little. I was at uh, vacation Bible school at Hansel First Baptist Church, and uh, I actually got baptized when I was about 12 at Center Hill. We grew up across the street from a church, but we really only went there, you know, Christmas and Easter. Uh, we, I'd go there with my friends, and I'd go there uh, on some Sundays and, you know, go to children's church, and... Um, then go home, you know, we lived right across the street, so I would just walk over there and meet my buddies, but, um, you know, that kind of grew up later on in, in life, you know, it really wasn't a priority in, in my life. Um, I believed that, you know, Jesus was my Savior, and that I was going, you know, I believed I was going to heaven, but I didn't have that kind of relationship that, you know, to fill that, that need. Um, 
So I, I went to church on and off, you know, 16, 17, 18, but, you know, I was, um, we were talking about never about dirt bikes, you know, I was racing all the time. That's from 12 on, I, I, all I wanted to do was race and ride. Every Saturday, Sunday, we'd live out on Friday afternoon, we was going to the track, and that kept me out of a lot of trouble. Because uh, a lot of my friends, you know, you, I didn't really go to any high school parties. I didn't have time for where I wanted to, I wanted to be ready for the race. I didn't want to stay up late. I didn't want to go out drinking, partying. So I am thankful for that. Uh, that's what, uh, you know, me and my dad are talking about how much money we spent, but it, <laughs> but it kept me out of trouble. So he said, you know, it was worth every penny of it. Uh, but so skip forward, you know, when I'm, you know, 16, 17, 18, and I'm, I'm racing and, you know, kids are watching you. And that's one thing I want to make sure, you know, all the, you know, the teenagers in here of who all is watching you. And, and not just teenagers. I, I try to remember this every day. You know, who, who is watching you? I was at a, uh, we were at a, a practice, and this kid came up to my dad, and he had noticed uh, that I had on different boots. And he came up and said, hey, where's Stick's red boots at? And he said, well, I don't know. I guess he, in the trailer I got a new pair. And the dad came up to my dad later and said, well, he said, his eight-year-old wanted a pair of red boots because I had a pair of red boots. And, and I wasn't, you know, even fast guy around the track. So, I mean, I wasn't no top dog or anything, but he just happened to see me and who I was and wanted a pair of red boots. And he was kind of upset that I got a different color pair of boots. <laughs> and, uh, and then one day we were at a double uh, X in Clanton, and I'm sitting with a group of kid, or a group of uh, A riders, and I think I was in B. Uh, I'm the slowest one of the group, and this this dad comes up and said, "Hey, will, will you come out here and sign my son's helmet?" Well, I, obviously, I'm thinking he's talking to you know John Boy or some of the other guy, the fast guys, and he's like, "No, stick you." And I was like, "Why does he want me? You know, why does he want me to sign his helmet?" So I go sign this kid's helmet. You know, um, so. You know, kids, kids are watching you. I mean, whether you're the fastest guy or the slowest guy or if you've got the coolest looking bike, little kids are paying attention to everything you do. Uh, and even the same as, you know, I, I pay attention to my elders. And, you know, what are they doing? You know, how are they living? It, 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 conti it always continues to grow. Um, so I, I, did, I learned to play drums uh, in middle school, high school. I never would have thought that, you know, this is what I would be using it for. I'd, I played for like three years, uh, and then like four years later, somebody told somebody that I knew how to play the drums, and then I started playing one night at a, at a church and had no idea what I was doing, didn't know what song we were playing, never even listened to Christian music, and you know, played for a little while and then kind of got out of it uh, and then started playing again here when Red found out I could uh, play drums, and when I get to practice, I, I really enjoy it. I, I love, love playing music. Uh, but I'm just going to kind of go just step through, so y'all just bear with me. Um, and so I, I met Red in 2000, into 2008. We were starting uh, a friend of a mutual friend of ours were, was wanting to start a series. Uh, and I think I'm skipping over some stuff, but I'm I'm, I'm going to hop back and forth. Um, but so uh, me, Red, and Tyler was there. We all went to eat, and we was going to start a dirt bike series. Um, I hadn't met Haley at this time. Uh, I, I met her and knew, knew who she was, but we, we hadn't um, 
dated or anything at this at this point. All I knew is that she was uh, Patrick's sister, and I saw her riding on a dirt bike on the back of it, and I thought that Patrick done stepped up in the world, but it was his sister. <laughs> That's true. True story. When he rode by, I was like, "Dang, Patrick!" And uh. That's, that's when the, the hunt was on. Uh, it took a few years. but So we started a, a dirt bike series, and we was doing some buddy races. So, and, you know, that's really all Red knew of me uh, when we got into this. I knew him and Tyler because I was racing against them on and off, um, you know, a few times a year. Uh, and they would, they would beat me every time I would go, go race against them. Um, but we, so we started off and we was doing races on, on Saturday, and we did buddy races for uh, you know, two, about two years, constant. Um, and then we started wanting to get into more uh, larger races, so individual races. So we started getting into that. So, you know, Red going, you know, teaming up with a you know, 21-year-old at the time, I'm sure was probably, you know, not the easiest thing to do. You know, he didn't really know me. and. I was 21, 22 years old. I mean, you know, I could have flaked out pretty, pretty easy, real quick. Um, but you know, I, I see looking back now, you know, God put you know him, y'all, in my life for a reason. Or I, you know, I wouldn't be here, and I know telling where I'd be. Um, So I, I actually met Haley that next year. We were uh, this before we had started doing um, the regular races. It was at a buddy race. I had went to Priceville the night before and raced, and uh, she was there. We got to talking, catching up, uh, just you know, pretty much chit chatted, you know, for a little while, and then we had a race the next day at Cornerstone. I went down there and we did a, a buddy race. Uh, well, she told me that she was going to go back that next night, so as soon as I got done at Gardendale, I was like, I'm going to go back to Priceville. So I went up, went up to Priceville, and uh, sure enough, she was there, and pretty much sat there and talked pretty much the whole time, what, you know. Um, and then we left, and we went to Wendy's with uh, her brother and eight, and uh, we was having practice the next day. On the way home, you know, Patrick texts me and gives me her number. So they come over, they come to practice, Patrick and his brother come and ride the next day. And uh, that's how it all started. So in, that was into, into 2009. Uh, fast forward seven months. Uh, in July of 2010, uh, we got engaged. I sold a dirt bike and a street bike. And I, uh, I think Tyler was at the house when the day I went and looked at a ring and we, we were getting ready for the 24 hour race. I think that's when I told my dad. I think you were sitting in there. And uh, I caught my dad off guard, and I said, I, said, I went and looked at rings today. And uh, so that, that uh, 2010, uh, July 14th, we got engaged. Um, and then we got married in, in 2011. So, and, you know, at that time, we really wasn't going to, ch we really wasn't going to church. Uh, I remember she came and asked me one day. Uh, we was in our first house, and she asked if I was going to heaven. And... Uh, I thought, you know, I'm pretty sure I was, but I you know, didn't have that real confirmation, you know. So, you know, we kept living our lives the way we were. Uh, you know, a little bit known that this is why, you know, I got, got you know, dirt bikes got me into this. 
And uh, in 2010, I was still I was working part time, going to college, didn't have a you know, didn't have a full time job. A friend of mine that I race with calls me calls me up out of the blue. Says, "Hey, you know, you like a job?" I was like, "Yeah, it's fine." I mean. I'm going to school part-time, and I'm working part-time, and I get to ride my dirt bike all the time. I mean, what could be better, you know? So he's like, well, I, he, there's opportunity here, but you're going to have to, you know, start now, you know, if you want to get into this role. So I got to thinking about it, and, I mean, I didn't have to go to work then. I mean, I was, I was 21, so, you know, I just started dating Haley, and I, I knew at that time. So I went ahead and, and took that job, swapped my school schedule around. I started going to school at night. Uh, I was working first shift in the plant and going to the class at night. Uh, and, and that was the opportunity that I had presented to me to you know, start my life and my life with Haley. Or, you know, I, if I hadn't had a full-time job at that time, I mean, it might not be here. So I'm, for that person, he made a big impact in my life and still does. I still work with him. Uh, but so we go on and we're we're putting on races and we're racing on on Saturdays, which is a lot different than most of your local off-road races. They always race on Sunday. When Red said we were going to race on Saturday, I was kind of like, mm, I don't know if that's going to work because I mean, I mean, not I, all, the whole time I've been racing, you race on Sunday, and you know you take the time to get your stuff ready on Saturday and drive up there. And motocross races, we'd race on Saturday or Sunday, just kind of depending on where we were at. But um, you know. For years, so I really kind of wasn't exactly sure how that was going to work and how people would react to it. Well, as you can tell, I mean, it's exploded. Uh, you know, when we first started, though, we, you know, it was a, you know, we had low turnouts, um, you know, which we were fine with at first. We didn't want to get in our in over our heads. I thought we everything went really well, uh, but each year it continues to grow and grow and grow. And you know, he's he's given the word at each race. I mean, I think we've had, I think uh, I counted earlier this year how many races we've had is close to 90. I think maybe one race he hadn't gave, you know, some sort of devotion uh, before the race. And people get saved every every race. Uh, and so I, as I can, you know, I, I always try to, to listen in on those. And I don't always have the opportunity to because I'm running around trying to get, uh, you know, Make sure scoring's ready, getting stuff from sign up, and I'm running back and forth. I don't always get to stop and, and listen, uh, but I, I definitely, over the past years, I, I make it a point to try to. If I don't get to listen, I try to listen to what Debbie posts because she normally tries to put it on Facebook for me. Uh, but in in uh, 2013, uh, we began uh, talking about having kids. Um, I actually found out we were pregnant. At, um, at the end, towards the end of 2015 and or 2013, uh, and Haley was she was racing as well. Uh, so we were about halfway through the middle of a series whenever we found out. Well, we go for a couple doctor's visits, and uh, you know they said you know it's not it's not growing, it's, it's not doing what it's supposed to. So when we were actually eating at Ruby Tuesdays in Gardendale one night, and Red swings by, and stops, and he's talking to us. He's like, Hey, when we get to when do we get to announce this thing? We're like, well, you know, I don't know if we're going to get to. But, you know, you go back a couple weeks later, and at that time, I really didn't know how to pray. You know, what Daryl was talking last week, you don't know what to do. You know, you just, 
You just have thoughts. You, know, you don't really know what to do at that time if you don't have that relationship. Uh, well, you know, move on, and it's, uh, you know, we had, had a miscarriage and uh, kept on with that. So, but that night, uh, after the, had had a procedure done, she had to go to Atlanta, I think, somewhere for, for school. And I had to go down to Troy to a dirt bike race. So, after all of that, that day, pretty much got home, hey, love you. You know, I had to pack up the trailer and we had to go our separate ways. So, I mean, it's definitely tough times when you have to go do, you have other, other stuff in life, you know, gets in, in the way and you have to, um, you know, have that, you know, something, you know, to keep you strong. And that's, that's kind of what, that's what I was missing in life. So, move on into um, later in that, in that next spring. Um, well, Haley actually ended up winning the, the championship that year. So she ended up, she missed one race, I think. Well, started back at that spring. Uh, she won. And the very first race after, after that series was over was a buddy race at, at uh, my parents' place. And we raced family class together. I think we got fourth. Well, she said she felt horrible after the race. She was sick of the dog. So she went home. I stayed and we helped cleaned up. And... Um, that Monday, I go, uh, I go to work. I think I went golfing. Came home that night, and she, we went to go eat. She's like, hey, stop by CVS. And so we stopped by CVS, and I'm like, why? She's like, I'm going to get a pregnancy test. I'm like, okay. And you know, sure enough, a little while later, you know, got a yes, positive. And, you know, so... That was, we had, uh, you know, nine months later we had Corbin. But through this time of, you know, being, you know, pregnant with Corbin, uh, we found out, you know, that he was having a uh, cleft lip and palate. And I had no idea what that was. She had known it from, from school, but she saw it on the ultrasound right away. And, but, so all I knew when they told me, they said, hey, y'all got to go to UAB um, and get some other tests done. Okay, we'll get some tests done. That's, I'll be good. Um, so we go to UAB. They tell us, hey, he's got cleft lip palate. Do you have any, you know, they start going asking all these questions, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, what, I have no idea what they're asking me. And luckily, you know, for me, she, she knew the, you know, the answers and kind of what to do and say and the questions to ask. And so I, even, I didn't even know what what to expect so you know in december of uh 14 we we go in uh the night before uh and again this time i'm i'm still i'm um uh, we had, this was about when red started going uh, preaching at pelham right because i remember uh we were we were driving down to pelham on sunday nights and getting home at like 10 o'clock and um, at that time, I, I mean, honestly, I, Red was one of my good friends. I wanted to hear him preach, I, but I was going and supported him. And, you know, it wasn't because I was just itching for the word. I was, you know, I'm, I was going to go support my friend. Uh, but we drove down there every uh, Sunday night, and I remember uh, praying, and I, I think Miss Ellie was down there praying with us. Uh, it was after we found the news, news of Corbin. Um, and, you know, everything that the doctor said, you know, and, you know, this scenario is best case scenario, you know, as far as, you know, 
a child being born, you know, with a disability, or with a, uh, I don't even know what you call it, something wrong. Uh, but so, you know, Corbin is born, and you know, that's the first time I get to see him. You know, you're filled with emotions, and all I can think about is, you know, he did not deserve this. You know, I was, you know, every dad, when you look at it, you're like, just let it be me instead. Uh, but so keep on going on with that. So he had to have a surgery um, about three months in. You know, and they tell you all the worst stuff. You know, they, they have to, you know, start checking his brain, heart, and, you know, everything. Hey, it could be this, you know, because cleft, you know, this may not have formed, this may not have formed. You know, basically, everything that could go wrong, they're just throwing it at you, throwing it at you, throwing it at you. And you're just like, just don't tell me, just go check. And then you don't, I don't even have to know all this stuff. Uh, well, anyway, so his, his first surgery was uh, in March of 15. And so that's where they, they uh, sewed his lip up. They pulled everything together. You know, he comes out and his face is all swollen. It's blue from there. They're pulling his face together. Well, uh, you know, during all this time, I remember Red said, you know, Miss, Miss Ellie, like Corbin was a focal point of the women's prayer group that was going on. And I mean, we had a race like three weeks after that. And it, you couldn't even tell Corbin had a surgery hardly. You know, if you'd looked at him two of the weeks before, I mean, it was a, he looked like a completely different kid. Um, and I was telling Red about it that morning. And he said, well, you know, why don't you? He said, and then he started telling me about, you know, he's every, every day, you know, Miss Ellie is praying for him. He's, he's, been, he's been a focal point in the prayer group. And again, I'm, you know, my, my prayer consisted of, you know, thank, thankful for her family, thank you for my kids. I didn't really know how to pray. Um, and that seems to be, you know, it's a common theme when you start listening to other people, how they grow in, the, in, in their spirit of, you know, learning how to pray. And when we were talking about our men's group, and you thought, what do you want to get out of this? That was one of my things. Like, I, want to, I want to know more about the word. I want to understand it more the whys. So we were talking about today at work, people were explaining stuff to us in a finance meeting. But I'm like, I don't know what that I mean. I want to know why. Like, why is it like that? So it's important to know why on, on the reasons. Uh, so this is, yeah, uh, Proverbs 18:22. Uh, he who finds a wife finds what is good. Uh, receiver favor the Lord, and you know, it's good to have a, a good wife. You know, to go through this stuff with somebody that's supportive, somebody that knows what they're, you know, what they're talking about. Uh, it was. Uh, it was, that was one of, one of the toughest things I had to go through, those surgeries. Uh, his second surgery was in November of 15. That's uh, where they sewed up his, uh, the inner part of his mouth. Uh, and, you know, this time I'm kind of a, a little bit more far along in my, uh, you know, I'm praying, praying more. Uh, but, but, you know, they, all they did was tell us on this, is, on this surgery is how much, how much tougher it's going to be than the first one. It's, you know, when you go, that's just... It's, this is going to be the, it's going to be a horrible surgery. It's going to you're going to be there three days. It's ten times worse than the first one. Uh, and he come out of that surgery and it was like the surgeries were flip flopped. I mean, he was within a couple hours sitting up, sitting in the windowsill, you know, wanting some milk. He was, 
It was the opposite. I was like, this was the easy one. That was the hard, hard one, the first one. But we had to stay there you know, three days uh, before we could go home. And uh, that surgery went great. I mean, we couldn't ask for anything better as far as you know, his, his face and everything. His, his, he was eating well, drinking well. Uh, you know, de- definitely a miracle in, in the technology that doctors have nowadays that, that we're very thankful for. Um, and in March 16, so of all this times I've been racing with Red and listening from 09 to 16. In uh, 2016, we were standing at Deloach's uh, pasture, uh, and I'm listening to the uh, devotion he's saying, and uh, he always tells us, you raise, raise your hand, make eye contact. I, I raised my hand. But I was so far in the back by the scoring tent that I don't think he, he didn't see me. Uh, so that next Sunday, I told him, I said, hey, uh, I, said, I said, you see me yesterday? I said, what do you mean? I said, I said, I've raised my hand. I said, I said, and kind of caught him off guard. So then he texted me later, and we, we talked about it a little bit. But, so that, that, that day is when I said, hey, I, you, know, you know, having kids will, will change you. And I always heard that growing up. Having kids will change you. Um, so that was, I mean, that was my motivation for it. So, and when you have kids and you see why you, I see why my parents, my parents raised me and took such good care of me because they wanted me to raise my kids like that. They wanted me to be prepared to raise my, their grandkids. So it all trickles down. So uh, Titus 2.7, And everything set them an example by doing what is good, and your teachings show integrity and seriousness. So we're carrying Corbin to church, you know, and on Sundays, and, you know, in my heart, I'm like, you know, I haven't really committed myself. You know, how am I going to, I want him to grow up like that. How am I going to, by not setting a good example? So March 16, that's when, that's when it really started for me. Um, later on that year, um, I actually, I'd, I'd hurt, tore my ACL and MCL, had surgery. Haley had to take care of me. Corbin tried to take care of me. Um, so that was, that was rough and, you know, thankful to have a, a wife that will take care of you when you're hurt. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah Red knows more than I do. But, um, in September of 16, we were at a race, and uh, a friend of ours uh, passed away that day. Probably the worst, worst day of my life. I couldn't, it was, it was not a real, real scenario that was going on. Um, and that led a lot, a lot of people uh, to get saved at the next race and uh, baptized. Um, and then that next month, I was baptized with a friend of mine up here in October of 16. So then later that fall, we find out we're having another baby in November of uh, 17. Right before I go, leaving to go to a race, he's like, hey, you got something in the mail. I'm like, okay, I'm loading the trailer up. And I'm about to leave. She's like, did you check the mail? I'm like, no. Like, you know, can, I got I to gotta, I gotta drive to three hours. I'm, I got to leave. So I go check the mail, and it's a positive uh, test. I'm like, okay. 
Like, I looked, I caught, completely caught me off guard. I was like, this for real? And so we're having baby number two. So then off I go to, I got to go to West Point, Tennessee, where there's no cell signal. You, you don't talk to anybody when you get up there. So I couldn't really even, you know, the next day really talk to anybody about it. I think I told, told Red out in the woods. Um, but at this time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting more, more grounded. So, you know, we're preparing. We've, we, we, we move houses during this time. Um, and, you know, this, this pregnancy went smooth. The birth, I thought, went smooth. I mean, um, it was easy for me, uh, except for that couch. I thought it went real well. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because I, I didn't sleep much on that couch. Those couches are not made for tall people. But during this, uh, during this time when she was in labor, so this was the, the, the verse that I'm, I'm repeating in my head of, you know, I know what we've gone through, you know, in previous times, and that this, this pregnancy, I, this child is going to be, you know, 100% perfect. He is, he's going to come out healthy. And so I'm Mark 11, 23, uh, I think I started off at 22 on here, but uh, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea uh, and does not doubt in their heart, uh, but believes that what they say will happen and it will be done to them. Uh, and I just kept saying over and over and hey, you know, this, you know, this child is healthy in your name, this child is healthy. And, uh, and that, that kid is, is something else. I mean, it, something else is being nice about it. But he is, uh, I mean, he has not had a lick of thing wrong with him. He's just an absolute great kid, uh, except he cries. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. He's, he's, he's the wild one. Um, but that kind of gets to where, where I am now. Um, there's a lot of other stuff. I made a lot of other notes uh, here that I, I did want to go over while I was speaking uh, that I skipped over. Um, that you know, through that time when I was 16, 17, 18, 19, and um, you know, I got asked to be uh, like a mentor or advisor on like Faith Racers, and because you know, one of my friends wanted me to, hey, come to do some of the camps, teach them how to ride, and just you know, talk to the kids. I'm like they don't, they don't want me. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not in that spot. Like I, I thought they. Should, they need somebody. They need somebody better than me. But you know, he, they really they wanted me to come. But I turned it down. And I, I always had always had that mindset of when I'm ready, you know, when I'm, you know, done whatever I'm doing and ready to live for the Lord, then I'll go to church. After I clean myself up, then I'll go to church. Not I'm gonna go to church, get cleaned up. And that's when when he started going to church. Just because I was friends with Red, I started coming to church. You know, just because I was friends with them. Now I want to go. Now I get up and, hey, boys, we're going to church. You know, I used to, I just, hey, I'm friends with Red. He's my best friend. I want to go, I want to go support him. I want to be there for him. Now it's, I want to go help him out. I want to go, I want to be there and listen. I want to listen to the word, listen to the app. Uh, yeah, when, I, when I'm putting them on the app, I'll go back and listen to them again. Um, so that was one of, the, one of the things that, you know, you don't have to be, you know, you're not, gonna, you're not ever going to be ready. You just, that was one of the things I wish somebody had told me when I was, 
you know, 16. You know, you're not going to be ready like that. You've got to come on, and then, then, then you'll be ready. Um, and this is, this is one that I, uh, I think about a lot. Uh, start children off on the way they should go, uh, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it which is what I try to uh, implement uh, with my kids and what I teach them and how they act and how they see me act. Uh, I've learned a lot of patience with, since kids and uh, dealing with people when I've tried to you know, change the way I uh, present myself where my kids see it or somebody sees it that they think highly of it, not you know, negatively when they walk away. That one and one more. Uh, Proverbs 8, 18, uh, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We're talking about speaking life into our children. And we tell them, hey, you're doing awesome. You know, great job. You know, no matter what, you know, we're proud of you. That type of stuff. You're speaking life into them. Uh, speaking life into everybody, even better than you came. Um, so that's, I, I try to, when I leave from a meeting or hanging out with someone or whatever, like, you know, was I, did I come off like mean to them? Did I come off, what, you know, how, how, how are they leaving thinking of me and are they any better? Um, so, there's a lot more to my, my story, but um, I'm, I'm sure I'll go over it another time. But um, that's pretty much the, the summary of, of what I had down in my notes and squeezing uh, 33 years into about 30, 40 minutes. You want to finish it up? Can you hear me breathing? One thing he said that need to get a hold of that, that, that jumped out at me and oftentimes the way I hear things are different than others but he just came to church just because we were friends I just came to church because she was my wife or I came to hang out with my friends at the youth but I came and um I know nobody in here has ever drank a beer or had a, any whiskey, but in the event that you did, I guarantee you, when you got that first beer and turned it up, you didn't go, mm, man, that's good right there. Man, I need some more of that stuff tastes so good. Where you been my whole life? Nobody ever got a shot of whiskey and said, ooh, baby, pour me a big old glass of that to go with my lasagna. 
You didn't. Why? Because it tastes terrible. It's disgusting. It tastes awful. But you keep drinking that beer. Next thing you know, you kind of start liking the way it tastes. Now you're looking forward to it a little bit every day when you get off work. And that one beer just turned into a six-pack, and next thing you know, it's, maybe it's a half a case or whatever, but now you have developed an appetite, a taste for this beer. You like it. I like the way that whiskey and, and, and Coke taste. I like it. But you didn't used to, but now you do. Well, did it happen overnight? No. You drank, you kept drinking until you developed an appetite. You see how the same thing works coming to church? You don't just wake up one day and have an appetite for the things of God and think, man, I just can't wait to get up and get into the Word. I'm just ready to pray this morning. I got to be at work at 6. I usually get up at 5, but I'm going to get up at 4.30 this morning because I'm so excited. I'm going to pray. Nobody ever did that. But once you start getting into the Word, <laughs> once you start doing the things like he's talking about, he said he, he came because he had a friend, but now he comes because he wants to. Hey, I want to go. And he wants his kids to want to go. Well, somewhere along the line, there's got to be the appetite. You see what I'm saying? That's why it's important to come. That's why it's important to bring your kids kicking and screaming. Don't matter. Bring them on anyway. Just like making them eat food they don't like. One day they'll like it. And they'll eat it on their own. One day they'll eat that word on their own. Amen. I was texting with Kevin on Friday, and I'll tell you this story real quick, speaking of alcohol, and, uh, and then we'll go home. But five years ago on 9-11, um, there's a man named Leslie Seals. And there's some seal, and there's some seals. My family's seal, and they say some of them didn't like being called seal, so they added S, and now it's seals. So we might be related, I don't know. But a good friend of mine, a mutual friend of a lot of people here, his name's Landon Carter, and Landon said, hey, my buddy's slick over there. You need to go talk to him. And I said, well, who's slick? And he said, well, he's a truck driver, and he's rough, and he, he's just a rough, rough man, and he about beat a guy to death with a stick, and... Uh, you know, barefooted, overall wearing. I'm talking about barefooted, barefooted running around on rocks, kind of tough. You know what I mean? You ever met a barefooted pulp water? That's a tough son of a gun right there. You don't know nothing about no pulp wood, and if you don't, you don't, that made no sense to you. But if you know a little bit about it, and you're barefooted pulp water, don't mess with that guy. Anyway, this guy's like a barefooted pulp water is what I'm telling you. He's got his overalls on out there. He steps across most men just to get to a fight. And he's cutting his grass. So I walk up to this guy, and next thing you know, we're on his back porch. Long story short, this big old tough dude starts crying, and he, he gets saved on his back porch. Well, about a year later, I baptized him in the creek down there. And it might have been exactly a year. And um, he told me, he said, I made a deal with the Lord. He said, Lord, if I can get along with you. You get along with me for one year, I'm going to get baptized. <laughs> so they got along for a year, and he got baptized. Well, anyway, five years was Friday. And I called old Slick, and I said, how's it feel to be five years old? 
And he said, what are you talking about, Brother Red? And I said, well, you're five years old today because you became a new creation five years ago. And he said, I ain't thought about it that way. He said, I, I'm only five years old in the eyes of God. And anyway, we talked a little while, and he, he told me this part of his story that I never knew. But he said, he said, I was drinking a pint of vodka a day and, and some beer to chase it down with. He said, I was drinking more and more and more. He said, I couldn't wait to get out of that truck because I had that vodka or some type of liquor in his freezer. He said, on my back porch, he said, I, I couldn't wait to mix that drink. He said, I just drink all night long, every day. I was drinking more and more and more and more. I think he said he was up to a pint a day. And uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's more. And he said, I was drinking myself to death. And... Um, when he gave his life to the Lord, though, he quit drinking, and he hasn't drank any since. My point to all that is, the man had an appetite for alcohol, and it started with a drink, and another drink, and another drink, and another drink, until he was just a full-blown alcoholic. Couldn't wait to get off work to get to drinking. But then he, he gave his life to Christ. He started going to church across the street from his house called uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church. I've preached there before. Good folks. And now he's, his appetite's changed. He's got appetite for the Word, and he teaches the youth, don't drink, don't do what I did. And he preached Sunday at the church. I listened to it. Pretty funny. And, uh, I mean, it's good. But he's just a funny, he's just country, country's a piece of cornbread, you know what I mean? I mean, he makes me look like a city slicker. <laughs> and they always tell me I'm a redneck, so if this guy makes me look like a city boy, then you know he's country. But uh, I say all that to say this. If you just say, man, I don't feel like what y'all feel or some other people feel like I don't feel that excitement or like I'm not like excited to go to church or like I'm not, you know, raising my hands or I don't, I don't feel like praying. Well, let me tell you, if you don't start it, you'll never feel like it because you're going to have to have the appetite your body's been telling you, your flesh has been telling you what to do for the past 40 years. Now you're telling it, hold up. Uh-uh. I'm running this show. You're not. We're doing this. We're going to church. I don't care if you feel like it. We're going. We're going to get into the Word. Your appetite will develop. You'll like it. You'll want it. And you'll want some more of it. And I'm speaking from experience. And don't go by feelings. You dating? Oh, it's fun. It's new and it's exciting. Feels good. Just, ooh, feels good. Then you get married, and kids and bills, and it ain't that, it don't feel that good no more. So what are you going to do? Get divorced and run on down the road and find something else that feels good? No. <laughs> Same thing happens as a Christian. You better not be led by your feelings. Y'all follow me? I don't want to shut up. I'm, I'm starting to feel like preaching now, so I'm going I'm to be quiet. But did you, did you hear what Stick said when he said he came? That's my buddy down there. I've had people that came in as atheists tell me, I don't believe the thing you said, but I came because you're my buddy. That's a true story. I don't believe that he don't believe the thing I said. I think that's just what he, he's saying. But anyway, during the course of these years, an appetite has developed in the mind. And uh, this exact same thing can happen to you. It will. If you just stay with it. You can stay with the diet. 
a good diet and you'll see results. You can stay with a bad diet and you'll, you'll see results. Y'all following me? Well, good. That cool air today, I used to think, oh, man, it's about time for football season. It's about time for hunting season. This is some good riding weather. And you know what I thought about today when that cool weather hit? I'll tell you how things changed. I thought, man, this is some good weather for some taco soup and some chili. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, yeah. <laughs> so Jackie cooked taco soup tonight. Mmm. No tide. My appetite's changed too. Forget all that other stuff. <laughs> all right, well, it's been good. It's going to get better. We're leaving better than we came in. And another thing he said was um, when you go hang out with somebody, if you get work with somebody, how are you leaving them? Somebody's watching you. Ain't no doubt somebody's watching you. Kyle used to have 218 on his motorcycle because this man over here had 218 on his motorcycle. That's a true story. He wanted to be 218 because Tyler was 218. You know why? Because he's watching him. And you might not feel like anybody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's absolutely watching you. 